Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Daft Differently. Jeremy Kalmanovsky with you here, learning Tractate Kitubot, page 62. Uh, we're going to talk for the next day or two about sex and sexlessness in marriages. In a couple of days we'll talk about women's unilateral decision, but today we're going to talk about men's unilateral decisions, because either to pursue business opportunities or to study Torah or for some reason of piety to take unilaterally a vow of abstinence. And this will begin on 61b. I told you yesterday I would leave this for today. On 61b, towards the bottom, there's a Mishnah. Somebody takes a vow, a man takes a vow for abstinence, that he will not have sex with his wife. Beit Shammai says the maximum duration of such a vow is two weeks. Beit Hillel says one week. Uh, the Mishnah continues, students can go off to the academy, uh, leaving their wives without permission for up to 30 days, but laborers can leave town to pursue some sort of job opportunity for one week. The, uh, one of the Torah's expectations is that every marriage have uh, regular sexual intercourse, the, that's called ona, which literally means period or, or frequency. The ona ha'amurah Torah, the Torah's expectation is dependent upon your job. Hatayalim bechol yom. The uh, we'll, we'll define later on the page that this means the uh, the independently wealthy who don't have to work bechol yom. Every day they're supposed to have sex. Poalim shtayim b'shabbat, day laborers twice a week. Chamarim. Uh, donkey drivers who who are let's call them short haul truckers between towns uh, once a week. Hagamalim, camel drivers, let's call them long haul truckers. yom, they're away for a long time and that's once every thirty days. Hasapanim, sailors, once every six months they they are expected to uh, to have sex with their wives. Divrei Rabbi Eliezer, according to the views of Rabbi Eliezer. And if you have a much less sexless marriage than that, then the man is assumed to have betrayed and not betrayed his wife and not kept up his end of the marital bargain. In Judaism, we really don't have such a thing, uh, ideally, as a sexless marriage. And if somebody says, "Listen, I'm leaving. We're, we're not. We're not having a sexual relationship anymore," that is grounds for divorce. Classically, the page will go on and say that that. One week vow, according to Beit Hillel, that one week maximum vow of abstinence applies even to those people like like uh, sailors and camel drivers who are away for much longer than one week. But simply to say to your wife, your spouse, listen, we're not going to have sex, uh, uh, you know, for a great, great long time. Uh, that's grounds for divorce because it's heartbreaking. And they use the image. Uh, you cannot compare somebody who has, quote, bread in the basket to 
to someone who has no bread in the basket. That is to say, you can't compare the mental and emotional experience of somebody who, despite all of their their uh, suffering, at least knows that there's the possibility down the road of, of having sex. The Talmud says that if a person who's working as a day laborer is offered a job to become a donkey driver, a donkey driver offered a job to be a camel driver to make much more money but be away more, he's not permitted to do that without his wife's permission because we assume that people would rather have less money and more sex. You can tell me if you think that that's an accurate assessment uh, of human experience or not, but that's the Talmud's experience. Now, if you if you studied a lot of Talmud, you know, you've been through us with Daily Dot differently, you know that, the, that this book is really written by and for rabbis. It's written by people, uh, for people, in the rabbinic culture. So what are they mostly interested in? They're actually not mostly, mostly interested in the class of camel drivers and donkey drivers. They're actually mostly interested in their own life. And so they're interested in rabbis who go away from their families to congregate in the centers of rabbinic learning. In Mishnaic times, there weren't really academies, but there certainly were disciple circles who were in certain locations and not in other locations. So the real question that occupies them the most is, how long can you leave your wife, how long can you leave your family to go study in the centers of learning without her permission? What is the best system? Uh, Rav and Rabbi Yochanan at the top of 62a differ. Rav says one month study, one month home. Rabbi Yochanan says one month study and two months home, and that's the best way to behave. That will enable sages to have their appropriate onah, their regular frequency of sex, which is once a week. However, that is of course not the end of the story. In our Mishnah, uh, Rabbi, the Mishnah said that students can go away from their wives for up to 30 days. Near the top of 62b, however, we get something else. Amar Rav Barona Amar Rav, Halachaka Rabbi Eliezer. Rav Barona says in the name of Rav that it should be as, as the Mishnah said once in 30 days. Amar Rav Adabar Ahava Amar Rav. Zodive Rabbi Eliezer, Aval Chachamim Omrim, Hatamidim Yotzin Letalmud Torah, Shnaim O Shalosh Shanim, Shelo Birshut. Uh, a different interpretation or a different report of Rav's view is that from Rav Adabar Ahava is that students can leave for up to two or three years without their wives' permission. What she wants is just really not important, according to this latter version. And in fact, our our uh, passage is setting up the classical uh, home responsibilities versus your Torah responsibilities dichotomy that can be very damaging, as our Talmud very astutely and very acutely in its rhetoric uh, will pick up, because the very next line says, Amar Rava, Rava says, Samchu Rabbanan Adarav Adabar Ahava, Ve'avde Uvda Binavshayu. Rava says that the rabbis, in general, follow the view of Rav Adabar Ahava, and they leave their wives for very extended periods at the risk of their own lives. That is to say, Rava thinks very negatively uh, about this practice of what the scholar Daniel Boyarin called married monks. They're married, they have families, but they abandon their families for the academy. They much prefer the company of Torah scholars to regular family life. They seem to prefer the company of their male colleagues to their, to their female partners. You can wonder about those elements uh, of, of the story as well. And what follows are a series of anecdotes that are very, uh, very sharply uh, critical between the lines of the sages who abandon family life 
for the all-male culture of the Beit HaMidrash. The Talmud in general, uh, and we saw this in Tractate Yivamot, thinks that marriage is good, and being a father is good, and that there's a seduction of all Torah all the time, which is produces some great scholarship and produces some great love, but is also a little bit warped. Now, I must say that the final story in this whole uh, uh, collection of Agadot, of tales, is the is a very positive story about such a practice, the story of Rabbi Akiva and Rachel, and I'll tell that one tomorrow. But the other stories in this rhetorical compilation uh, are much more double-edged and ambivalent, both about achievement in Torah study and and heartbreak that you cause in your family. So here's here's one. whose name means the lover. Rachuma is the lover. He who studied before Rava in Machoza, Hava Ragil da Hava Ati Levete Kol Male Yoma Kipure. He would study in Machoza, but every Yom Kippur he would come home. Yomachad Mashachte Shmata. One time his his studies seduced him, his studies grabbed him. Hava Maskia Devetu Hashta Ate, Hashta Ate. His wife was waiting and saying, He's coming now, he's coming now. Loata. And he never came. And her heart was broken, her, her mind fell, literally. And one tear fell from her eye. At that point, he was sitting on the roof and studying. And the roof collapsed from under him. And, the, uh, and, and he died. That incredible story of the woman waiting, the woman waiting, and the lover loves Torah more than he loves her, and his whole life collapses when her one tear falls. The literary power of that is just is just really stirring, and lets you know that the authors of that Torah, uh, well, authors of that teaching, were not so crazy about the idea that sages left their wives for years on end to study. Another great literary power, so great literary power is near the bottom of 62b, Rav Hananya ben Hachinai have a Rav b'shilei hiludet the Rav Shimon ben Yochai. Rav Hananya ben Hachinai was time to go off to study at the end of the wedding of Rav Shimon ben Yochai. Rav Shimon ben Yochai says, "Wait for me. I'll I'll come with you." He says, "No, no, no. I don't have time. I don't have time to wait for you. If even for one week, I have to go study. I have to go study." And he goes and he spends thirteen years or twelve years in his uh, in the study house with Rav. Ad and before he ever returns home. Ishtanu Shavile de Mata, the Lo Yada de Mezil Levete. And now he wants to finally return home 12 years later, and in that time, the streets have all been changed in this town, and he can't find a way home. Again, great literary power. He can't even walk the streets of his town anymore because he's been, he's been away so long, and he meets a young girl there. He meets his daughter, and he doesn't even know it's his daughter. He does not even know who she is, doesn't even recognize her because he's been gone for 12 years, and when he finally gets back to the house, his, uh, his wife faints, and he says, Zotorah, this is the reward for Torah, and he prays to her, and she is, she is revived. But I love the literary power of this story, that it notes, too much Torah, and you lose the derech eretz, you lose the path to home. All right, thanks for learning these passages with me, and I look forward to learning with you tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Chorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.